0: Welcome to season five of the HSCT Warriors podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry-Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. I continue to find so much gratitude for all the Warriors willing to share their stories with us. And so whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the multiple autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you're in the right place. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. So let's introduce DeWayne, who happens to be my neighbor. Yes. I'm just so grateful to meet you and that you're willing to share your story as our next HSCT hopeful. Yes. How did you even come to find out about HSCT?
1: Well, I was diagnosed with MS in January of 2016. You know, everybody always told me that turning 40 was not as bad as people say it is. And I would agree with them that the year that I turned 40, I uh, I was like, I don't feel like I'm 40. I I feel fine. But man, after I turned 41... Things started going downhill.
0: Uh (laughs) Was that in 2016?
1: Yeah, 2016. Wow. So um, I woke up one morning and my left eye, the vision in it was not clear. And I kind of felt like that I had like that film. You know, like sometimes you wake up and, you know, your vision is not real clear because you have like a film on your eye.
0: Mm -mm, You just need to blink it out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you blink it out, and it goes away, and your vision clears up. Well, I was trying to blink it out, and it was not clearing up. (laughs) So I went to my eye doctor, and they checked everything out, and they're like, you know what? You have a little bit of dry eye, but other than that, your eye is healthy. So they said, if you just go ahead and um, use these drops, and if they don't work for you, or if you notice more changes, give us a call back, but we'll probably end up referring you to an ophthalmologist. Interesting. Yeah. So I did that, and I only did that for like four days (laughs) because um, four days later, I go to, uh, to work out at the gym, and when I was at the peak of my workout, I noticed that my vision was not just getting more blurry, but sometimes it was almost like I was having bouts of black spots, I guess is the best way to describe sure, it. Sure, yeah. So then I started freaking out. Because I'm like, oh, great. I'm having a stroke.
0: <laughs> that's no good. Yeah, that's terrifying.
1: Right. It was terrifying. So, of course, being a former EMT, I walk over to the mirror in the gym and I start doing all the tests on myself. Good for you. You know, yeah. Like, am I smiling correctly? Do I have any facial droop? You know, all of these things. So, um, I didn't have any of those things going on. So I'm like, okay, now I'm really puzzled. (laughs) So I call my eye doctor back and I said, hey, you know, this is what has happened. What do you all suggest? And they're like, I tell you what, go see the ophthalmologist that that we referred you to. So I called the ophthalmologist's office up and uh, told them what was going on. And they're like, you need to come in. Right now, mm. I'm like, okay, yeah. So I did. Been scary, it was. So um, I went there. They checked me out thoroughly, and they were like, "Well, we got some good news and some bad news." He goes, "The good news is, is that your eye is perfectly healthy. Like, it's one of the best eyes I've ever seen."
0: I'm like, well, oh, "Wonderful."
1: Yeah. I'm like, thank you. That makes me feel so good. He goes, however, um, I'm going to still send you for an MRI because there's something else going on. You're not having any, like the the signs and symptoms of like a stroke or something like that, which would also mimic these problems that you're describing, especially under the conditions that you're describing. But, um, there's something else neurological that could be going on. And the only way we're going to find that out is to do an MRI. Interesting. So like, yeah. So like, I must have been giving this him this look of like, you want me to do what? <laughs> you know, like. Sure.
0: Well, and so, it's just surprising. Did they check your optic nerve? Like to look at the health of the optic nerve? Yeah,
1: they did. And they didn't find anything. Interesting. Yeah. So he said, now, don't freak out. He's like, don't freak out. <laughs> Easy for he him goes, to say. Yeah, I know. He goes, I'm sure that you're concerned. And there are many things that this could be, some good, some bad. He goes, but just take it step by step and, you know, just get through it as as you get your, you know, new information. He goes, let me just ask you one question. He goes, when you take a shower, like a hot shower, have you noticed any issues with your vision? I'm like, no. He goes, Well, he goes, You're telling me that under the peak of your workout, that that affected your vision greatly. He goes, the only scenario that I can think of as a doctor that, that fits what you're describing is something called a Tufts phenomenon. The only people that experience that are people with MS. He goes, the only way to confirm that, your first step is for an MRI. He goes, then there's another series of tests after that to make sure that that's what's going on. He goes, but let's get the MRI first. It may not even be that. It may be something else, which is treatable. So let's, like he said, let's just take it step by step.
0: I'm like, okay. That's a really informed. Yes. How informed. I mean, that is amazing.
1: Yes. And, you know, I, I think I was maybe one of his last patients because he retired like a couple weeks after that.
0: Oh my gosh. I know. I
1: felt, i I was happy for him because that's what he wanted to do. But, you know, I was like, oh, so.
0: But that's incredible. Truly. It
1: was. Right? It was. He was so, like you said, so informed because I go and have the MRI. And, of course, everybody's telling me, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. You'll be fine. You're just, you have a lot going on right now and you're just worried about it. You'll be fine. So this one really good friend of mine, she said, Here's the thing about an MRI. She goes, "Just go get it done. If you don't hear back from them, then you're good." <laughs> she goes, "The only thing you have to be only time you have to be concerned is if they call you back in the same day." Oh. I'm like, "Okay." I said, "So I'm going to be praying for no phone calls." She's like, "Okay, yeah." So, um, so we just kind of laughed and I went and had the MRI done. And, um, about two hours later, I received a phone call.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And, um, they said, we have the results of your MRI. And uh, according to, um, the MRI, um, you have scarring on your brain and um, you have multiple areas of scarring. So we're going to refer you to a neurologist. And I said, so, you know, of course, I was still clueless. I was like, scarring, what do you mean? Well, that it indicates that you have multiple sclerosis. So that was a big life changer.
0: Well, yeah, it especially was. over the phone.
1: Yeah, over the phone. But um, I had very good, um, very good support, you know, even um, after getting that news. So, you know, it was hard to work through that. Sure. But, you know, I tried to keep myself calm and, you know, wait until I saw the neurologist. How long did you have to wait? Um, I got in within like a couple of weeks, uh, it, it might even been, been less than that. I don't even think I waited two weeks.
0: I mean, that's um, good, but still like, yeah, I can only imagine how you spent those two weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, asking lot, you know, myself lots of questions and I actually did not like, I knew some people that had MS, but I did not reach out to them because, I really didn't have all the answers I needed either. So I ended up um at UC. The neurologist that I saw, everybody was like, if you're gonna have to see someone at UC, this is this is the person. Hmm. Like, this is the one you want to see. And I ended up with that person. So like that made me feel better. Sure. You know, yeah. That I that I ended up in in with that particular individual and that um, that individual was very well known um, um, amongst the uh, medical community you know for all the work that that he has done in this area and everything so I was like this is good this is good stuff so um, after being sent through all the array of tests uh, I um, you know each test it's so crazy because you know you get the first, MRI that indicates that you have multiple sclerosis. So that's your first time that you have bad news, right?
0: Right, baseline, yeah.
1: So then they run all these other tests to check, to confirm that it is multiple sclerosis. So it's like each test that you have there's like that little ounce of hope that maybe it's something else. Right. Maybe it's something else. Mm. But then the test comes back and says multiple sclerosis. It's, you know, the, the results of this test indicate or match up with, you know, multiple sclerosis. Mm. So I don't feel like you go through the bad news one time. Right. You you have to revisit it every time they do another test.
0: So anyways, um it's after like getting slapped in the face over and over it and is over and over it is because so hard you
1: read that it could be that yes, you could have this scarring, but it could be caused from this, this or this, you know. so you then you kind of hope, well, maybe it's one of those things, and these tests will confirm that. Sure. and then you find out you no. Know, it's it's still multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. It you don't have any of these other things. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, so um with your medical background, surely you like dove right in to try and I, to figure this out.
1: I did. I did. <laughs> You're right. So anyways, I you know, had all of my follow up visits with the neurologist and my visits with him ended with, well, first of all, his recommendation after all the testing and everything and seeing the severity of my MS, he wanted to do the most aggressive treatment. Mm. So he wa- he was advising that I start on to Cybri.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Gave me all of the documentation about that. And, of course, I came home and read everything about that. And I'm like, no, (laughs) this is not an option. Right. I do not want the possibility of ending up with a zombie brain. Yeah, that's what I I call it. I call it zombie brain because that's what it is. It's terrifying. It is terrifying.
0: And And are you
1: J.C. positive? I am not. I am not, which I know then they say, well, the your chances of developing PML are like lower. Like much lower. I mean, not that you can't, but so much lower you don't have to worry about it. So I go back and I say to him, Well, how how are you going to keep track of that? And they're like, well, we will continue to test you, you know, once a month, you know, to make sure that you're negative.
0: Right. It's a blood blood draw. Yeah. I'm like, but what
1: about between day one and day 29, what if I develop it in between that time? You know, (laughs) so you're basically giving my body a 30 day, well, 29 days of a chance of developing this PML, you know, that's being JC positive. Oh, well, that's unheard of, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, I still don't want to take it. It
0: still doesn't make me feel good about it.
1: It it doesn't make me feel good about
0: it. Well, there's other
1: options. So then he (laughs) he like laid out all the other options, you know. And his big question was, well, why? Why don't you want to take this? Why? And like it was like the reasons I was giving him was not good enough. Mm. Like that that was not a good enough answer. So, you know, this went on. It it was frustrating. Yeah. It was. Because, you know, I really didn't at that time I didn't know what my answer was. But what I this is what I did know. I did know that I looked over all the paperwork. I I did my own research and investigation online with what resources were available. I even talked to some people that I know that had that have MS and was given to Cybri and, you know, found out how they did with it. And, and they actually had done okay, but then it got to where it was not working for them no more. So they had to switch to other medications. But, you know, I still really didn't know what my reason for my no was, except that I took every piece of information I was given into prayer and I, I was not getting a positive yes answer when I prayed, because I was like, you know, Lord, if this is the if this is the option is if this is the avenue that I have to take, then, you know, just give me a piece about it, and and I I'll move forward. And I never did have a piece about taking medication.
0: That stood out to you, yeah. Well, so you were an EMT, and I don't know what you do now, but that experience certainly helps you to understand all of that medical jargon, right? That are that's in the pamphlets and all of the information about the drugs. So,
1: and if I didn't know what a word was, I knew where to go to look it up to get the (laughs) to get the right answer. So, um. So then, um, you know, after, you know, my follow-up visits and continuing to tell him no, (laughs) we finally just disagreed to the point to where I stopped going
0: for my follow-up visits. Mm, Very interesting.
1: Yeah. So during that time of not doing my follow-ups, I continued to do research And then I realized the other reason why I did not want to take the drugs, and that was that every drug, there was no proof that it improved the life of the person that had the MS. Mm. In other words, they were still going to end up disabled. All the drugs were doing was just delaying what was eventually going to happen anyway.
0: And, you know, offering a few side effects that may or may and not the be side very pleasant. Exactly. And the
1: side effects. And I didn't want any of those things. I'm like, this is not good enough. This is not an answer. Good for you. So in 2017, my youth group got together and raised, it was like $15,000. In one evening, for me to go have a stem cell treatment in Chicago. What? Yes. Now, this stem cell—this was just a regular, standard stem cell treatment where they use the stem cells out of your fat cells. Mm-hmm. And that treatment, you know, I—I I didn't have any information that it would like cure anything but there were so many people that experienced a lot of relief and some people even some remission from having it done but it didn't involve any chemotherapy either so
0: sure this was missin kamal probably
1: right and it was so experimental that it was very hard you had to go by people's experiences and just reach out to people sure so that's where my stem cell journey started amazing okay so I went and had that done. And after I had it done, um, the problem, like my vision issue, it did clear up slightly. It didn't clear up completely, but it was much more improved than what it was back in 2016. Mm. Also, the problems that I was having with muscle spacity and not being able to sleep at night, that also went away.
0: Amazing.
1: Um That pretty much held its ground, including my diet changes, which were never perfect. That held its ground until December of 2018. By December of 2018, I had done enough research that I'm like, you know what? If my MS ever gets worse, I need to pursue this HSCT.
0: Good for you for finding it. Yeah. So, um,
1: I looked at all of Dr. Burt's research, um, because he was the one that was doing it here in the U S that was the most well-known. So in December of 2018, I had a very minor car accident. Mm. Um, there I, I didn't hit anyone else, which was good. (laughs) Um, but the accident, the way that my car hit the ground, it actually hit the curb. The bottom of my car hit a curb, and the way it hit it, all of the energy from that just went straight up through my back. Mm. They did MRIs and everything and could not find any fractures that was causing all of my problems because that happened in December of eight and of eighteen, and by April of nineteen, I had an episode where I could not walk. Wow. Yeah. So um, I ended up by May of two thousand nineteen. I ended up at the Cleveland Clinic because I didn't have a neurologist anyway. And a good friend of mine who lives over there in Campbell County, um, she said, "Hey, I the neurologist I see is in is at Cleveland Clinic. You really need to go up there." Mm. So I scheduled an appointment, and I got in within a three week period. Wow. Um, my walking symptoms, um, like the not being able to walk, it lasted a week. And then uh, I rebounded and was able to walk. Um, it, My walking was not perfect. To this day, I still have a little bit of issues walking. I don't use a cane or anything to help with my walking, but it is very difficult for me to walk. Like, I really have to concentrate mm-hmm. on everything I do to walk.
0: I've been there.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So. I went to see this neurologist um, at Cleveland, and um, it was an okay visit. Um, he kind of was distracted because he kept, like, he would deal with me for a little bit, but then he'd be like, I am so sorry. I'll be right, you know, if you can just excuse me for a moment, I'll be right back. So I, I finished that visit, and although it was a good visit, he was very, like, he educated me even more on my MRI, and, and he said, the reason you had um, difficulty walking, he goes, although you have some new areas of activity on your brain compared to your last MRI, which uh, at that point was over a year old, he said, You're, um, you have a, a lesion running from the length of C1 To C7. Wow. He goes, That's why you're having trouble walking. Mm. He goes, We really need to get this under control. He goes, You're one of the more aggressive MS patients that I've seen because you were just diagnosed in 2016. Right. I said, I said, Yeah. I said, I'm kind of feeling that way at the moment, you know? Right. right. So he goes, um, He goes, I, he goes i would highly recommend acrovis he goes we've been using that and we've seen a lot of success with it and he goes i really think that it would be successful for you and uh so he gave me the brochures and everything on it and said if you have any questions call me back and um he gave me the form to fill out you know because you got to fill out a form as a new patient i said okay And he told me how to return the form if I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And he said, you know, you really need to make a decision soon. So I read over the medication, read over the pamphlet, once again did my own research. And I'm like, this drug is no better than the other drugs. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah, there's maybe fewer side effects, but still we're not fixing the problem here. So at this point I'm like, you know what? I need to pursue Dr. Burt in Chicago. Mm. So I called uh I called my friend Tamara because her husband actually had that procedure done. Right. And she gave me all like, you know, I was already a member of the group um you know, and I just kind of was like, I hate to say it, but I was kind of stalking people sure, like to see Facebook how things were yeah, going. Yeah. Yeah. So, Everyone um. Everyone does
0: that. It's okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm learning that from your podcast. That <laughs> I'm not the, I'm not alone
0: in that. So. Well, and Tamara is so amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, I started pursuing that. Um, she, you know, gave me tips on getting started and, um, I, once again, could not, I could not do what she had done. You know, she was very good about following up with them, making sure that, you know, everything was accepted and just kind of moving things along and pushing things through. Mm. And I'm just, I don't, I don't like to do that. I mean, and you would think that with my circumstances that maybe I would have been a little more pushy. But I really tried to follow the rules. Like I tried to do everything the right way and wait for them to respond. And if I didn't hear from them, I would follow up with them and say, hey, what's the status? So I actually made it is either the end of June, first part of July. um, I made it all the way to the point to where I was about ready to have an appointment with Dr. Burt to be evaluated. But at the same time. The day that I got my paperwork to submit they needed like one more piece of information to go with with everything I had submitted in order for me to get this appointment. The day I got that last piece of information and faxed it over to them, they replied back and said, We got your form. However, we regret to inform you. Mm-hmm that Dr. Burt is no longer accepting new patients because he is ending the clinical trial and he is taking time off to conclude his research and publish and, you know, of course, go around and speak about what he is doing.
0: Mm, How did that feel? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so because of
1: what I know about HSCT and the research that, you know, that I've done, and I know what stem cells can do, even without the chemotherapy portion. I'm like, I, I wanted him to be successful. Um,
0: that's so gracious of you. Yeah.
1: I prayed for him to be successful because I want this opportunity for
0: everyone. Right. Yes, that's exactly why we're here. But that doesn't make it any easier for you to be right. shut out. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry.
1: So, um, it was hard, Yeah, it was, but anyways, I did fine. So, so when I got that news, (laughs) this was my response to the news. I mean, yes, I was, I I was upset, but I'm like, you know, and of course, you know, I started praying about it. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? You know, like something's got to change. I mean, if something doesn't change, I mean, I just felt like that I was only going to get worse. Like if I didn't do something, I didn't think it was going to get any better. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to get any better. Right. But like, right. And and how long am I going to stay? Like if I had a relapse, how long am I going to stay in remission before I have another relapse? Mm -hmm. So then I went full-fledged wall's protocol. <laughs> nice. I mean, I, I didn't do the gradual. I just dove right into it and started doing it immediately. So,
0: which is not easy to do.
1: It was not easy to do, but I did it. Good I for did you. it. That's amazing. And, really? Um, I, I didn't start it in July. I actually did not have all of the information, like getting her book and everything. By the time I got the book, read it, did my additional online research, it was not until September of, of last year that I was able to start that diet.
0: Sure. So did it help? So I, it did. It
1: did. Not only did it help, but by the time November came, I actually had days where it felt like I did not have MS at all.
0: Amazing!
1: I was impressed. I was like, "Well, if this is all I need to do. I can do this." <laughs> right. You know, well, well yeah.
0: You, you tend to build up that confidence when you have those yeah, good days.
1: Yeah. So I did fine until November, or not November until December, in the first part of December. I had another relapse and the reason I believe that I had that relapse is because I ended up with an infection that had to be treated. And I think the infection actually triggered my immune system to start attacking my nervous system again.
0: Makes total sense.
1: So when I had this relapse, um, it didn't affect my walking this time But I was really, like, just, like, moving. It was just an effort. It was an effort for me to do everything. I just felt super fatigued. I still don't know how I managed to work. (laughs) But I I did make it to work um, pretty much every day. There were a few days I didn't go in. But, um, you know, I did manage. But in the meantime, I called my neurologist at Cleveland and was like, hey, we got to do something. He set up a video call and um, he started asking me, he was like, well, why haven't you started the Acrevis? I'm like, because I don't want to do the Acrevis. Mm. Well, when you left here, that's what you said you were going to do. I said, no, I did not. mm I told you I would take the paperwork and that I would review it and that if I decided to do it, I would send it back to you. (laughs) I said, did I turn that paperwork back in? He was like, no, you did not. Mm. I was like, okay. I said, so if you're all flustered because I haven't taken the medication, why didn't you follow up with me back in June or July and say, where's your paperwork? Right. He was like, well, he goes, because I, I I don't know. He goes, I really don't have an answer for you. I'm sorry. I said, so what are we going to do? I said, because, you know, we've got to do something right now. And I said, and we'll figure out what we're going to do. I'll get back up to Cleveland, you know. But until then, we got to figure out what we're going to do. He was like, well, the only thing that I could do is um, prescribe you some oral steroids. He goes, "But I really hate to do that without seeing you." I said, "Well, I said, I'm not going to be able to see you this week." And I said, "And I don't know about next week." I said, "But you know, if you let me know." I said, "I'll I'll get up there as quick as I can." And uh he was like, "You know what?" He goes, um, He goes, even if you come up here, he goes, are you going to start the Ocrevus? I said, no, (laughs) I am not. He was like, well, then what are you going to do? I said, here's what I want to do. I said, I want HSCT. I said, I want that because I was about ready to see Dr. Burke, but he ended his trial and is concluding all of his studies which I totally want him to do, I said. But at this point, it looks like my only option is to go to Mexico. And I said, and if that's what I got to do, then that's what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure Tamara gave you plenty of information because they were planning to go to Mexico. She was,
1: yes. And so I was going for the same thing. You know, she she was directing me. She was like. Just because you haven't had the mudge, you you need to do it. Look at all the people that had it done under compassionate care. And, of course, there were people on the Facebook page that had had it done like like that.
0: Yeah, sure. So anyways, so then— So you tell him you're going to Mexico or want Yeah,
1: that's what I tell him over the phone. That's amazing. And so he goes, well, he goes, I really don't think that's a good idea. And (laughs) And I said— And did you ask
0: him for his reasons? Yeah, yeah.
1: And he was like, well, you know, there's a lot of risk. You know, you're traveling, you know, down to Mexico and, you know, you're exposing yourself to, you know, their environment. And, you know, that was like his biggest point.
0: Yeah. Same thing then said said for Cleveland.
1: He apologizes. He says, I am so sorry. He goes, I really don't feel that you're like you're a good candidate for HSCT. What? He goes, Yeah. He goes, but this is what I'll do for you. Since there's been this miscommunication and you're you're obviously very upset, <laughs> which I didn't think I sounded upset, <laughs> but I guess I did. Um, he goes, I will let you see anyone else here at Cleveland. I will not let them access your file. I will not talk to them before you see them. I will let you have a another, like a second opinion with anyone here,
0: Interesting. you just,
1: t- he goes, you just tell me who you want to see and I will get that appointment for you. I said, okay. I said, uh, let me figure that out and I'll call you back. At this point, like a few days had passed and I had, you know, like from that phone call and trying to get even the virtual visit online, there were a few days in between there. And so I had already like started doing like the HSCT research again, and I found out that Cleveland Clinic was doing the BMS trial. How about that? Yes. And I found out that Dr. Cohen was the, the physician yeah. that was in charge of that. I looked up Doctor Cohen and he is a neurologist.
0: <laughs> so,
1: how about that referral? Yeah, so I call him back and I was like, "Hey, I'll uh, be Doctor Cohen. Can I get an appointment with him?" He was like, "Why do you want to see him?" Oh, I'm like, "How does he not be- know?" <laughs> I said, "Because he is conducting the BMS trial, and I, if somebody's going to tell me that." I am not a good candidate for HSCT. I think he should be the one to tell me that. He goes, Okay, that's fair. He goes, Let me call you back. Good for you. So, yeah. So, 20 minutes later, Jen, 20 minutes later, (laughs) he calls me back. And he said, This is all he says. I'm just calling to let you know that you have your appointment. Call scheduling. And they will get you set up for a day to see him. I did not give him any information, but I will tell you that before he hung up with me on the phone, he told me that he did not feel that you were a good candidate for HSCT. What? Yes. Yes, that's what he tells me. I said, Well, that's fine. I said, if that's if that's what he believes. Then he can tell me that when I see him in his office.
0: Yeah. Not after 20 minutes. Right.
1: Not after 20 minutes. Wow. So, um, so I went up there on January 13th of this year Mm. and I saw Dr. Cohen and he, um, he also is like, whenever there's a new physician coming on board, he's the one that teaches them. Like, Mm. so so when I went in, I got to see his fellow. And then and then after he did his evaluation, then Dr. Cohen came in and did his thing. So this is funny. His fellow was super young, right? And I'm already thinking, This kid is gonna get an attitude with me and tell me that I'm not <laughs> a good candidate for HS. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because, you know, he thinks he knows it all and blah, blah, blah. Like, I already had a defense built up. Like, Mm. as soon as I walked in the office, he sits down and he turns around and he looks at me and he introduces himself and he says, now, I understand that you're here to see Dr. Cohen. And he goes, but I also um, understand that you're looking into doing HSCT. He goes, I just want you to know that I'm going to do the evaluation and everything. He goes, so I'm going to ask you a lot of questions and do all of the exams and everything. He goes, but no matter what we discuss here or what we do, we need to come up with this decision together. He goes, it's not for me to decide, and you don't have to do this by yourself. He wow. goes. We need to. We need to come up with this plan together. And Dr. Cohen, he's going to tell you the same thing because that's how he is. When you when he makes a decision, you make it together. Nobody has to do it by themselves. So then, like, how all did my, that feel?
0: Well, all my walls just went crumbling down.
1: I'm like, okay, we're good now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. I think I remember a similar approach from Dr. Burt's staff. Oh, that's cool. Like we're going to share this information with you and we're going to be there with you as we make the decision to move forward. Yeah. That's such a different feeling. Different feeling and something
1: I would never had experienced up to that point. So he does his evaluation and everything, he asks me all these questions, and then um, Dr. Cohen comes in and he goes, "Hey, I I looked over everything. I looked over um, the exam and everything that um, the other doctor did." And he goes, um, and so then he starts getting down to the the nitty gritty questions. He goes, "Why do you want HSCT?" I said, "I want HSCT because as far as I can." tell and as far as I can read to, to the research that's been done, and, you know, I told him about, you know, almost being evaluated by Dr. Burt and how that all, you know, kind of crumbled. I said, you know, I want this done because there is no medication out there that will prevent me from being disabled I said, at least with HSCT, not only do I have a chance to halt the progression of my MS, but I might be one of those few people that experiences the healing from it, too. And he goes, okay. And I mean, like, I gave him, like, the full story. Like, I I told him about all the research that I did. Like, I was giving him facts and numbers and everything.
0: Good for you.
1: And he just looks at me and he goes, well, I don't think there's anything else that I really need to to tell you about HSCT. It sounds like you've done all your research. (laughs) He goes, but you know that we're doing the BMS trial here. I said, yeah. I said, I do. He goes, but you're not going to qualify for it because you've never taken any of the MS drugs. Right. He goes, so this is what I would like to do. But. The decision is ultimately up to you. Mm. He goes, I would like for you to take the Aquavis. He goes, now normally when someone does that drug, we would have you come back six months after you do it and we would repeat your MRI and we would look for activity. He goes, I do not want to do that. He goes, I want to have you take the drug. And I want you to come back in three months for the MRI. He goes, if there's still activity, then, you know, because of what the way your MRI already looks, he goes, with you trying the drug and coming back in your MRI, if it still has activity on it, I can probably get you qualified for those two things. Because apparently the way that it's written is if you have X number of lesions and, and you, and you still have activity, even if it's just one area after you do the drug the one time, then, then you can also qualify for the
0: trial. That's such great detail to know. Yeah, it is. So,
1: um, so I agreed to the Acrevis. (laughs) I was like, I'll do one round for you. I can do that. I think I can, I can take that risk. So, I did it. Um, I didn't have any adverse reactions. That's good. And then COVID hit, right? Right. (laughs) I did Aquavis in February, and, you know, what was it, March, everything started shutting down. Right, yeah. So, I'm like, oh, great. What's this going to mean for my follow-up? Right. So, three months would have put me at June, right? Yeah, March, April, May. June. Yeah. March, April, May, June. Yeah. It put me in June, but they ended up as soon as everything kind of started reopening a little bit, they actually had me come back up in May. Oh, I was like, but what about the three months? And he was like, ah, he goes, (laughs) it's just a few weeks. Just come on. You know? So I went back up in May, had the MRI I still had an area of activity, Good. so the acrovis wasn't working.
0: I mean, not good, Um, but good for you. Right. Not good, but good, right?
1: Yeah. Good for the situation. So they called me, you know, they called me, like, asked me any more questions while I was in the office. They just said that, um, you know, someone would follow up with me in a week or two, that I needed to see their transplant doctor um, in order to figure out if I'm still eligible to do the HSCT.
0: Right. To go through, yeah, yeah. such a rigorous treatment. Right. So
1: um, so then, because of still having issues with COVID, like it was a struggle to kind of get all that stuff scheduled. Of course. Uh, in the meantime, the new fellow, because the fellow that was with Dr. Cohen had moved on, So then the new fellow called me to get caught up on my story and, you know, like my treatment plan and all of that. And they said, are you still interested in the trial? And I said, well, sure. I said, I'll, you know, let's do it. And they're like, well, we just have to go over a few things with you before we, you know, move you into this trial, and I said, okay, go ahead. So they asked me a few questions and they were telling me about like the preliminary evaluation process where it's kind of like a psychological evaluation. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah. I said, so like during that, like, what are they looking for? Well, you know, we're just wanting to make sure that you have the right kind of support you need to go through such a harsh treatment and that, you know, you're mentally able to deal with that. But then the other thing we have to let you know is that the trial is randomized. And I said, randomized how? You'd think I would know this, you know, of all the research I was doing, but I didn't actually realize that there was a randomized portion to it.
0: Yeah. And that just means you have the chance of not being selected for the HSCT arm.
1: Yes. Yes. So he said, if you decide to do this trial, you know, we're looking for people that would still be willing to stay in the trial, even if they were not selected for HSCT. (laughs) I was like, no, I said, no, we're not. I I do not want to do that. I said, you can just, I said, we'll figure out something else, you know? Wow. So, so then (laughs) I get off the phone And what would the normal human reaction be after you kind of like take a step back and look at your options? My, what I believe is the normal human reaction would be, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. I will answer their questions and I can make them believe that I'll stay in the trial. But why not say that I'll do it? Maybe I'll get the coin that says, you get the h s c t right, and I won't even have to worry about the drug exactly, but you know, I have been in ministry um I've just recently stopped doing ministry just for health reasons but um you know i I was a youth pastor for almost twenty years, so I immediately started being convicted about that thought because it all came down to the fact that in order to make that happen, I was going to have to lie to have that done. And if I was lying about having it done and I did get into the the transplant portion, then how, you know... Am I going to be able to live with that decision? Yeah, I got this done. I lied to get it done, but look at all these people who went through the trial and didn't get the coin, you know?
0: Well, sure. And, except that the people who didn't get the coin. Exactly. First, at the first flip, right? If, right? if they continue to decline. Right. It's my understanding they just go immediately to HSCT arm.
1: Right. So. So I, I I called them back and I said you know I I just wanted to let you know that I am I'm confirming that I am a no and this is why and I just was very honest with them. So um, wow. So yeah, and and in in my response because I ended up emailing. Not only did I respond through my chart, but I emailed Dr. Cohen directly. And you know, told him my reasons and I told him, I said, I still would like to pursue HSCT if if that's doable. Because when I saw him, and that's and the reason I said that to him was because when I saw him in January, he told me that Cleveland is they're very close to developing a program to make this available for anyone.
0: Wonderful.
1: Yeah, they're wanting to make it a treatment option for anyone. and But he did say that it would be at least a couple years down the road before it would happen. So anyways, um, he replied back and he said, you know, he goes, I want to thank you for your honesty. He goes, I really do appreciate that. I will follow up with you as soon as I hear back from Dr. Michelle who is the um, transplant doctor. So a couple of days later, he follows up and he says, hey, I talked to Dr. Michelle. He thinks that you would be a great candidate with just the preliminary results that we have. He thinks you'd be a great candidate for HSCT. Wonderful. Do Do you still want to pursue it? I'm like, outside of the trial? He goes, yeah, outside of the trial. Do you still want to do it? I'm like, yes, I do. How about that? Yeah, he goes. We gotta submit some stuff to your insurance company, and we gotta get you a visit with Doctor Michelle. So let's let's get that out of the way first. So I saw him at the end of June.
0: That's really fast.
1: Yeah, it was fast. My insurance company approved things very quickly. Like I got answers from them within seven to ten days what? on everything. Yeah. It was crazy. Wow. It was crazy. My employer, I was told by the insurance agent for my employer, because I called and asked her a bunch of questions. And I was told by her that my employer, like when you compare my company's insurance to other companies in the tri-state area that they also service, that my employer has the Cadillac
0: insurance plan. How fortunate for you. I know.
1: I was like, okay. Well, and then I told her, I said, we'll see. I said, this is a really, like, we're going to make a really strange request for, for the insurance. I said, so we'll see how good it is. Right.
0: Yeah. No joke. Well, and did you connect with anyone at the insurance company to let them know that this was coming? I did. I, I think did. That's a really good strategy. I I I
1: started with our agent and they're almost kind of like in the way I would describe them is kind of like an insurance broker. So that's who my employer chose as their insurance company. But then they go and they have like, they'll have this insurance that'll cover like prescription. This insurance company will cover major medical um, and then everything else falls under this employer fund. So it's kind of, it's a little bit different than I've ever had with any yeah, other employer very, that I've been with. Yeah, sounds very unique. It is unique. So anyways, I got the approval to see Dr. Michelle, went and did that visit at the end of June. And by by mid-July, I was having testing done for HSCT. So like the bone marrow testing, the all of the lab work, all of the pulmonary testing, all of that. (laughs) The echo, the whole
0: shebang. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So um, all of my results came back excellent. They did call me with a, um, they found a, I have a duplicate chromosome um, that I didn't know that I had until I had all this testing done. Interesting. Yeah. And unfortunately it increases my risk for leukemia, which you know, the chemo itself can cause that. Sure. But even with, even with the increased risk, um, you, know, I, you know, when he called to tell me that, you know, he's calling to see if I still wanted to keep, you know, proceeding with everything. And I said, well, sure. I said, because if I'm understanding this correctly, you know, my risk of developing leukemia is still less than 10%. But my risk of having disability, you know, even in a short term, you know,
0: right. it
1: is going to be greater than 50 percent, you know. Right. And he's like, yes, you're thinking right. He was like, so he goes, I take that means you want to proceed. And I was like, yeah, I do. Good. I do. Good, good. So um, they submitted everything to my insurance company and, you know, What am I prepared for? I'm prepared for denial because everybody that does this is denied the first time.
0: Usually, yeah.
1: Usually. And then they have to file, you know, their claims to, you know, hey, I want this done.
0: Oh, I fought for two years. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So I was ready. I was ready. I'd already talked to people. You know, um, another lady locally that had to deal with denials, she was like, you know, just call me up. I'll help you out. So that was gracious of her. I I can tell you the day, exact day, August the 4th at 4.55 p.m., I received a phone call from Cleveland Clinic, and they said, hey— Um, We're just calling to let you know that you have been approved for HSCT. So you're going to start seeing all of these appointments fill up on my chart. You know, if we have any more questions, we will, um, you know, we'll call you. But if you have any questions for us, you know, you feel free to call us back.
0: How did that feel?
1: I... (laughs) I was, I'm still to this day, I'm, I'm still in shock. Like I'm like, I just, I can't, I'm like, I can't believe it.
0: Yeah, I'm it like surreal.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, there's a part of me, like, I'm still like, I'm, I'm afraid, like, am I going to like, going to totally break down? Like when I get up there and they start doing everything
0: <laughs> No, <laughs> because then it'll when be it'll reality. Fin- yeah, But that's when it'll finally hit you that like, this is actually happening yeah yeah because you've been so, in so much like turmoil if you will or at least yes. I mean ins and outs right
1: yeah and the and the wall like the the walls the the nose the denials the you know like I was just ready for another one and and then you know none of that's happening
0: you know That's amazing. Um, I can't believe you're going in three days. Yeah.
1: Well, um, I return on the 9th. So actually a week from today.
0: I don't even know what today is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. So yeah, a week from today.
0: So a week from today that we're talking, you will be in Cleveland. Yes. For mobilization. Yes. Wow.
1: The 9th, I have to... The ninth is my final green light. Um, I have to see the transplant doctor
0: one more time. That's the day this podcast is going to air. What? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. How crazy is that? That is crazy. So So when you get there, you can listen to this. (laughs) I'll listen to myself. I know. That will be crazy. What do you want to say to future Duane? uh, It's finally here. It's
1: finally here, celebrate. you're on your path. you're on your path to better health and to healing. Mm. yes, celebrate,
0: oh my yeah. gosh, that's so exciting.
1: it is so um, so that so the ninth I see the transplant doctor one last time, and the tenth, I see my neurologist one last time because he's they're all what they're wanting to do too is get like baseline
0: data, of course,
1: yeah. The, the next day, I'll just be at the hotel. I don't have anything going on. But the 14th, they install the port, and the 16th begins the the treatment for mobilization.
0: Okay. And I think the BEAM protocol is just a few more rounds of chemo than Dr. Burt's protocol. E- yes.
1: Yes. And they are they're using that same—they are going to use the BEAM protocol, mm-hmm. um, you know—
0: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you.
1: I know, I'm excited too. Um, I I it's, I just ugh.
0: <laughs> Do you have any doubts or reservations going forward? Well, I don't I don't really
1: have any. Um I think my biggest thing is is that you know, I definitely hope that I'm one of the people that sees improvements after it's done, Um, you know, because, like, I know some people, like, they have it done, and all it does is halt, and they don't see too much improvement. But, you know, everybody else, you know, that I come in contact with, you know, that has had this done and talked to, you know, like, they just mentioned, like, so many things that have improved, you know, like if it was walking difficulty, you know, they're walking better. They have more stability. They, you know, if it was the, um, urinary issues, you know, that's improved or, you know, almost non-existent, you know, Spasticity. I have all those things. Yeah. And I'm just, I, I I'm, I'm done, you know, like I'm done. You know, that's what I kept telling them at Cleveland. I'm like, you know, if if you're not going to do it, I'll I'll go to. I it's like I almost kept threatening almost with with Mexico. I'm like, if you're not going to do it, then I'm just
0: going to go to Mexico. You know? Um, Well, I mean, it's a very valid option, right? And it's an amazing clinic. Yeah, everybody has
1: such great things to say about it. So that didn't even scare me. You know, like I don't mind traveling. You know, I'm no. up, I'm up for it. So that's what oh, that's what I was gonna tell Good. you. Traveling, traveling, because we were talking earlier about yes. having to travel to Cleveland. Mm. So yes, I will actually be up there from the ninth until October second. Um, and then I'll get to come back home for a couple of weeks and then I will go back on October nineteenth, and that's when I'm actually admitted. So then, when I get out of the hospital, I I'm required um, to stay in Cleveland for another month before I can return back to Kentucky. Wow. Yeah.
0: Is that because of COVID? They do not, because you
1: know, like we're not that far away from UC. Like, if something like right. major was to happen, yeah. like it's not a big deal for me to go to UC. Uh, I like I can get there or someone can get me there. Right. twenty minutes. Um, yeah. So, um, but they do not want to have to communicate through another medical facility. If there's a problem, they want me to be able to come back to them. Sure. Which I, t- I, I get that and I'm totally okay with that. So,
0: so did you get an Airbnb or have you made friends with anyone in Cleveland that you can stay with? <laughs>
1: Um, I don't have any friends in Cleveland. I don't. Um, We right now we're staying at um, there is a an extended stay hotel that they recommend that they recommend it even for other transplant patients because this hotel actually like takes care of the room really well. Good. To make sure that it's clean properly for that person. Um, and that's where I'm staying this time. So like the whole cleaning thing and everything, like not, not as big of a deal during this mobilization thing, but I mean, it is important. I'm not saying it's not important.
0: Well, yeah, you don't want an infection, right? Right. I don't want an infection. Right. When I go up
1: the next time I actually have reservations. Um, what is that place called? is it the Tusig, a housing facility that Cleveland has for their transplant patients. You still have to pay to stay there. Like there's still a a daily fee um, because they do rent it out like like it's a hotel. Sure, that
0: makes sense though.
1: Yeah, but, you know, that facility is entire, like everybody there is, Uh, They're all either transplant patients or cancer patients.
0: So clean. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So very clean. So that's, that's where I'll be staying when I'm released from the hospital. Sure. But, but this round I could, because everything happened so quickly, I couldn't get a reservation there for this round. So I'm doing the next best thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you'll be fine. Yeah. It's going to be great. It is. It's going to be great. Your story so compelling, and I don't want to interrupt it with my lame questions. So, it's no, been great talking with you, though. But I'm so curious why it was important for you to participate in the podcast.
1: Oh, oh, okay. So, a couple of reasons. I have I have always depended upon God, like, to guide me through everything that I have ever done, and you know, a lot of this, I've done a lot of research, but I realize that this is something bigger than me. Like I, like there's certain things I can do to help myself do better, but like, I, I definitely can't stop the disease. Like that's out of my control, right? Like I, I could take medication to, to suppress it. I could maybe change my diet and hope my body responds to that. Maybe I'd be another Dr. Wall's Pro call, you know success story, but um i I really struggled when I started when I had the relapse after the accident like i I really struggled again, you know, sure. very similar to how I struggled when I was first diagnosed of
0: course, yeah, so I
1: really started praying a lot. And um, I ended up through that. um, I set up a website. It's called Rooftop Prayer Warriors. And um, it's all based out of Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, where it's a story about the friends that take their paralyzed friend um, to the roof of this house
0: Mm.
1: because there were so many people in the house, they couldn't get to Jesus. So they they lower him down through the roof <laughs> to get him in front of Jesus and of course Jesus heals him and he gets up and walks away right and i started asking people to pray for me in that same way because you know this is something that's beyond anything that that i can do you know and i, I certainly would take a miracle healing that that would be great yeah so so through that website Um, I set that up and started not just praying for myself, but us also praying for other people. Some of those people um, have MS, and some people it's it's other, what I would call impossible situations. Or we might see it as human beings, we might see it as impossible. Like, I, I just don't think that I can fix this kind of thing. So it has just brought me to a point to where... I have a better understanding of things that people are going through, like difficult and impossible situations because I'm in one of those myself. Mine happens to be an autoimmune disease, but, you know, an impossible situation looks different for, for other people. You know, it could be a financial struggle, a family struggle. It could be, you know, a a different type of illness that they have, Um, you know, you just, you never know what people are going through.
0: And everyone has something.
1: Yeah, they do. So I just, I set up that website and then through that website, there's a tab on there. It says my journey. So my entire story of my autoimmune disease is on there. The things that I've done that have worked, things that I've done that didn't work.
0: That's a tremendous resource. Yeah. I haven't even looked and, at it, but I'm sure it's Okay. <laughs> I'm sure it's very thorough. Yeah. So,
1: um, you know, just another avenue because I really want I want people to know what options that they have. And although I didn't receive a miracle healing, you know, um I didn't just, you know, I haven't just woke up one day and oh, my MS is gone. Um I I do believe that God has brought me to this point and through this very specific journey because I've been able to talk to people that in the past yes I could have talked to them but not with the same understanding that I have now. I just I look at things differently and I you know and I can respond more appropriately. That's beautiful. To what they're dealing with.
0: Yeah. So so, so is that the superpower you've gained?
1: Yeah, that's that's experience? my super it is. That is my superpower is is prayer and 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 understanding. You know, just being there for people and you know having the ability to listen and you know and understand exactly what they're dealing with and even though their situation might look different, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's still an impossible situation or a very difficult situation that, that they feel like that they just can't get out of or can't get away from, you know.
0: Everyone so, deserves that shoulder to lean on, right?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Thank you for creating that opportunity for people.
1: Absolutely. It will always be there, even after HSCT, because then I'm just going to talk even louder. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just, I really, so second thing, second thing about HSCT is that I am, um, as far as I know, unless something has changed within the last week, (laughs) I will be Cleveland Clinic's very first patient to have this done. For multiple sclerosis.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yes. So that is another reason why I wanted to be on here because, you know, I'm bringing a totally different, I felt like I'm bringing something else to the table, another option. Yes. You know, and hopefully through my experience and my journey, other people will be able to experience the same thing and hopefully they won't have to out of the country you know to have it done
0: it's so tremendous to be that number one I guess it's because of COVID and they've kind of postponed their trial or yes they did mm-hmm. and so they're able to treat you off study yeah I wonder if you'll have any other anyone else with you going I through. don't know that's a good question. Like a number two and a number three, it'll be. <laughs> I can't wait to follow up with you and yeah. like catch the so now on the other side of things story. Yeah, yeah. Are is that a yes? I'm interested in a follow up. Yes, Wonderful.
1: I am. I'm very interested. Wonderful.
0: Yes. So, what are you grateful for about your experience with HSCT that maybe has gone unspoken? Um, I think it's
1: the people that have been open and shared their experience because if they would not have done that, then I would not like when I was going through, like even through this approval process, when I was going through different things and getting messages where I was like, oh no, well, what, what am I going to do? You know? there was people that I could call and say, Hey, this is what's going on. You know, how, how did this work for you? Like, what did you experience or did, did you even experience this? And they were able to share that with me or even like calm me down and say, you know what? Chill out. You know, it doesn't sound like you have all the information yet and you're waiting on a few things from your insurance company. So let's see what you get back and then call me
0: back and let me know, you know, that's so fantastic.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like these people that have been brave enough to put their story online, you know, and, um, whether it be through social media or creating their own website, whatever whatever resource that they've used.
0: Or sharing their journey on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Or sharing I'm on the so podcast. Grateful. Yeah. Yes. Because like even just the two that I've listened to, like it was so helpful. And like I felt like I'm like, oh good. Then I'm not thinking crazy things. Right. Exactly. <laughs> These people are saying the same thing that I'm thinking. Yes. I'm like, this is good. Yes. My intention
0: always has just been to not provide medical advice, but insight from those personal connections that we can find just in listening to someone else's story.
1: Yeah. And, And that's even like on my website, I say the same thing. I'm like, I am not, I'm not telling you what you should do or shouldn't do. You know, I'm not giving you medical advice. I am giving you the resources you need to make an informed decision and that, you know, you need to do your own research and be your own advocate.
0: Always. But we're here as a community to support. That's one right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Well, and that's what we've created in the HSET Warriors Talk to a Warrior program. So yeah. Anyone can just schedule time to talk with we've got kind of a roster of volunteers who have gone through HSCT and some of them have been transplanted internationally. And so anyone can schedule an hour call with yeah somebody that's been through it just to have questions answered. Like yeah. one-on-one.
1: Yeah. And I will, I will definitely be one of your volunteers.
0: Oh, that would I be will. so tremendous.
1: Yeah. Like even early on, I know that there's a you know, the whole roller coaster period. Like I'm totally prepared for that. But I'm also, you know, like I will share what I learned going through it here in the US at another facility, you know, because as more facilities decide to start offering it, I mean, these these questions are still going to be there for for people.
0: Yes. You know very
1: valid. Yes. You know, I'll definitely be willing to do that. So, um, you know, I will definitely record, record my thoughts, record what's going on, you know, for the day and whether you access YouTube or the website, you'll be able to see the same video.
0: Yeah. That's great. We'll link to all of that in our show notes for sure. Sure. it has been so great connecting with you. Yeah. And so kudos to you for gaining such confidence to go through this and for doing it your way. There's so much to be said for coming to the conclusion that you wanted HSTT and then be willing to sacrifice it all because of that chance in the trial. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I've sacrificed not taking medication. I know that, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that taking the medication that I would still not be where I'm at today, you know, because the medication, it's supposed to prevent a relapse, but it's not guaranteed to.
0: And it could also <laughs> exacerbate your situation. Exactly. Which would make my it worse. Experience. I mean, that was definitely my experience with it. So Oh. So, you know, I I just
1: I mean, once I've learned about HSCT and and even like like I said before, like having the the stem cell treatment that I had done and seeing the results from that, I'm like, well, if stem cells can do that without chemo, right? then what's going to happen with the chemo? Well, this is, you know, this is a no brainer.
0: Yeah. The reboot really, it just makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah. Like I so. saw some infographic from maybe the MS society or something today where it was like groundbreaking research results show that Um, In patients with MS, B cells are found in the spinal fluid to be carrying the disease, like the autoimmune messaging. And I'm like, well, okay, but still like the whole point then is that we go with HSCT because it's the only treatment that eradicates those cells and wipes out that messaging telling your body to attack itself. Right. So like, thanks for the proof. <laughs> That's yeah. just more case making for us.
1: Yeah. Let's move
0: on. <laughs> and let's make HSCT available for everyone.
1: Yeah. And and the other thing too, is that even if someone had to have HSCT done more than once, it's still the cost effectiveness in the long run for everyone, you know, not just the patient but also for even the insurance company whoever's doing the coverage correct I mean it's still going to be cheaper than the drug I actually because of the way that their statements print out I actually see like what they are charged initially for your drugs yeah for drugs <laughs> in aquabus I got that bill you know like I saw what they I mean they they covered all of it they did. They they paid for all of the drug. There was no out of pocket for me. But that drug was sixty
0: five thousand dollars. For one dose. For one dose. What? Yes. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. That's more so, more salary than anybody earns in a year. Yeah. At so least I got lives in our area of the country. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So if I got to have
1: that done twice a year for the rest of my life, who's making those millions? No. Right? That's insanity. In, you know, HSCT, even if you had to have it done twice, you still haven't reached a million dollars.
0: No, you've reached two years of Ocrevus. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I just... HSCT, it, to me, it, it seems to be the the right choice. You know, it's not, HSCT is not going to be for everyone. It's not. Because there's going to be some people that's going to say, you know what, that does look like the right thing to do, but I just don't think I could do it. Can we just try this medication and see if it'll work instead? Right. You're going to have people that are going to do that and say that.
0: Well, especially when their doctor is pushing the medication.
1: Right, right. So it's like, you know, yeah, will the drug company lose out on it a little bit? Yeah, they will. (laughs) But you're still going to have those few patients that are going to be too scared to do the HSCT. And it doesn't matter what. You know, like even if they hit somebody preaching it to them every day, they're still going to be like, oh, I just don't think I could do it. I
0: just, you know. I know someone like that. <laughs> different I do disease. Too. I mean, different disease than MS. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, I just, I hold the space. Yeah. I just let them know, like, if you ever decide, I'm here for you.
1: That's right. If you change your mind.
0: But I can't do that for you.
1: Nope. They have to make that decision on their own.
0: Well, I just have so much confidence that you are going to do fantastic.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Just your mindset and approach and all you know and the background from which you come to HSET is, it's inspiring, it's powerful, it's courageous, and it's sure to be effective.
1: It's going to do what it was designed to do. Yeah. You know? And, and you know what? We were talking about miracles earlier. I think it's a miracle that human beings have, you know, been given the knowledge, you know, have, have gained the knowledge to figure this out. Like, let's do this procedure, and it's going to reboot their immune system. It's going to halt their MS. Let's do it. Let's try it. And someone did that, Dr. Burke. And it worked.
0: It's amazing. So
1: that to me is a miracle, you know, that we as human beings even have the ability to to do this.
0: Well, and it's gracious of you to recognize him. He that rejected you. I'm so sorry that happened in Chicago. And yeah. I, kn- I know it was really hard for him and the, and the staff there. Yeah, I think it was one of the hardest things ever for them to do and mm-hmm. with the best of intention to try and get these publications out there. Like I said,
1: you know, I was very sad, I, you of know,
0: course, crushed. I would be crushed. absolutely crushed. Yes. Yes.
1: But the other part of me was like, but you know what? If we want this for everyone, this has to happen. This part has to happen. So even though it, you know, it did happen that way, I hope that others were able to find other avenues yes.
0: to still have
1: their HSCT done. Mm. I hope that they can look at it and say, you know what, I did sacrifice that opportunity, but that sacrifice is going to benefit many, many other people, you know? mm
0: mm-hmm. You're going to have tremendous care at Cleveland Clinic. I'm sure of it.
1: Oh yeah! I mean, my, I even received phone calls from uh, my nurse coordinator today. I mean, like they're they're on it.
0: I think we're all going to rally in excitement for you. Yay! Yeah! Congratulations on being patient number one at Cleveland Clinic. Patient number one. <laughs> Yeah, so all the best to you and health. Thank and you. Wellness and HSCT. Yes. Journey on, warrior. It's going to be great. Yep. I can't wait. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources of the HSCT Warriors Incorporated Nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allen for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been so great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. John Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician.